Hello and welcome to the Enjoy Church podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this message empowers, equips, and helps you become everything God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Oh, so, so good. You know, I feel it's such a privilege today to be sharing the word with you. On this team Sunday, and I uh, thank and I'm grateful for Pastor Shane and Georgie, our senior pastors, who are incredible. We love them. And uh, thank you for the privilege it is to share the word of God. You know, I've been on Team Enjoy for over 25 years, which is amazing. I know. I don't look that old, do I? (laughs) Excuse the grey hair. I don't know what happened. But anyway, I know from first-hand experience what being on Team has been like, what it's done in me, how God used Team to shape my way. But I've also seen so many enjoyers and I've seen the way that God has taken you as you have stepped out in faith, joined team, and then what he's done in your life, how he shapes us, grows us, challenges us, how he, he just does what only God can do, yeah? And so I know that God has certainly a plan for you and I, and it's outworked through our relational belonging and it's worked out through our relational contribution Yeah, to one another as we serve one another. So I'm excited for you today, Team Sunday. It's awesome. So in 1987, I had finished year 12 and I got my first official job. I'd had other jobs like milking cows and picking raspberries. But my first official job was junior drafts person at our local council engineering department. And part of my time was spent in the office and I would draw up plans for public infrastructure and town planning projects like new roads or new housing estates or sewer lines. And the other half of my job was spent on the field, out in the dirt, in the long grass, in the paddocks, on the railway lines, like you name it, we went there. And so my job was to hold the level staff um, for the engineer. Yes, I had that job of holding the stick. And the engineer... Um, with the dumpy level, would record the different levels of the ground. And these field levels would become part of the preparation for new developments in our city. I was part of a much larger team helping to make new realities for the people of the city, things that hadn't been there before, things that hadn't existed before, streets and roads and new housing estates, things that had only ever existed in the minds of developers. And so the title of my message today is Where the Streets Have No Name. I know it's not original. I did pinch it. So you may recognise it as the title of a famous song by you two. And uh, while the song has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, (laughs) this title has captured my heart and it reminds me that there are things yet unseen in the mind of God for you and I. There are new places, there are new pathways in God for us that we are to journey on, things that are yet unknown, streets and roads that God wants to write on the tablets of our heart and our lives in God, in Him, that we would be used by Him to explain this mysterious thing that is the gospel of Jesus Christ to explain his mysteries to the world. In fact, Paul says it like this in Ephesians 3. He says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the very beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, turn to your neighbour and say, that's you. 
Turn to your other neighbour and say, that's us. That's us. God's purpose was to use us, the church, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this was his eternal plan carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul says God's purpose was to use us, the church. And so you and I have been chosen by God, set apart by God to explain through our lives this glorious mystery that is the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us, both unseen and seen. And so there are things yet in the mind of God and he invites us, the church, on a beautiful adventure in him to witness that which is invisible, that which is in his mind only at this time, that we would outwork his intended purpose, that what is invisible would become visible and the reality of it would be seen in our lives. On new pathways and unknown streets. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. We love this verse and we get excited by the prospect that God wants to take us to new places. Again, in Psalm 77 verse 19, it says, Your road led through the sea and your pathway through the mighty waters. Your pathway... Uh, a pathway no one knew was there. In fact, in another translation, it says, though his footprints were not seen, were not seen. So if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, there must be more, where's the more? I wanna encourage you that God is even in your questioning. He's even in your, your search for the more. He's even in your desire for the more because we've been created in his image. We carry his DNA yeah? And to go where we've never been before, to follow his leading to new paths, new places, new people, new communities, new streets. And I know that God is listening to the cry of our hearts and saying, oh no, this is not all, because I can do more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Amen? Someone give God some praise. Yeah. You know, because God's new pathways are not just external. They're not just out there on the periphery of our lives. It's not just something that we're going to do. It's not this exciting, just the exciting adventure out there of what we're going to accomplish. No, no, it's more than that because God wants to create new pathways in our hearts, within us, in our lives. Isaiah chapter 40, which is a few chapters before the verse that I read before, and I'm reading from the message translation because it's louder. It starts off by saying, thunder in the desert. You might recognize this voice, uh, this verse. Um, and it starts, usually a voice cries out in the wilderness. It's talking about John the Baptist, yeah? And so it starts off, thunder in the desert, prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. Fill in the valleys, level off the the hills smooth out the ruts, clear out the rocks, then God's bright glory will be seen, will shine, and everyone will see it. Yes, just as God said. Now, you might be thinking, why would God need us, you know, to make the way straight for Him? He's God. We're us. Like, how can we make the roads smooth and straight for God? The idea of preparing the way for the Lord is a word picture. 
that the very real preparation must take place in our hearts. You know, building a road that hasn't been there before is very much like the preparation that God wants to do in our hearts. It's expensive, yeah? It's expensive and it's got to deal with the different problems and the environment, you know, that we come across. So smooth out the ruts, clear out the rocks and remove the obstacles. Get rid of the unhealthy ways, the unhealthy things. Um, Clear out the obstacles so that we can be closer to God, so that God would make a highway in our hearts. Amen? We've got to make room for God. We've got to make room for Him, that He would have a highway in our hearts, that He would have a way in our hearts, that He would do a work in our hearts and fulfill His purpose for our life. Amen? Amen? (laughs) Are you still there? That's good. I'm I'm glad you're still with me. I'm glad. So this morning, I want to look at an unlikely team in Saul and Ananias and how God put them together and took them on an untraveled pathway to fulfill his purpose. And so we pick up the story where Saul has been on a rampage. I mean, he's been thinking that he's helping God, doing God a favor and, um, you know, trying to lock up the Christians But he has on his way to Damascus this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And so yet within this story about Saul is woven another person's story. And I'm so reminded that this is how God does life. This is is life in him. He's a relational God. He weaves these intersections of people and he brings people across our path that they would encourage us, that they would strengthen us, that they would speak the right word, yeah, to us, to direct us back to God. You know, that he would weave another person's story in with our story. Why? Because we are meant to do life together. We're meant for each other. We're meant to serve God. We've been created in the image of a relational God. And so uh, we pick up the story in Acts chapter nine and verse six to 12. It says, so Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, arise, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple called Ananias and said to him, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive sight, so that he might see again. This morning, I wanna highlight three things from this story, three takeaways that we can take out of this story and we can apply to our lives that would allow God to create new pathways in our hearts, within our lives, yeah? To disturb the rubble, to, do, to upset, you know, the, the current state of play in our hearts. The first one is our response of faith. First and foremost, we must come to God in faith. Verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. 
In just those first words, just those few words, Ananias' response shows the strength of his relationship with God. His here I am is more than just a location drop pin, you know, where it says, you are here. It's not, a, it's not about a geographical location. This response comes out of his overflow of his heart. This phrase is hinini in Hebrew. And we see that it's such a powerful statement. It means to completely offer availability and total readiness to serve him whatever God might ask of us, even if we don't know what he's going to ask us. Complete availability. The first time we read this response is in Genesis chapter 22, when God tests Abraham's faith and calls to him, asks him to sacrifice his promised child, Isaac. You know, Abraham answers, here I am, completely available to whatever God would ask. And then God asks that, yeah? And then a few verses later, when Abraham is about to kill his son, Isaac, God calls out, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham answers again, here I am. He's not closed. He's not um, fearful of what God would ask. God has asked the, the most, the deepest um, desire of his heart, for, for the deepest desire of his heart, his son Isaac, the promise. And yet Abraham still says, here I am. Here I am. What a beautiful, what a powerful, what a scary statement. Isaiah hears God say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response is, here I am. Send me. God calls to Moses from the middle of the burning bush and he calls the child Samuel three times. And both Moses and Samuel reply, here I am. This same Hanini, complete availability to whatever it is that God would ask. What a faith response. What a faith declaration. What a powerful declaration. So we, as we hear Ananias's overflow of his heart, there is just this beautiful openness and readiness that can only come from a prepared heart. You know, like the one that we read about earlier in Isaiah 40, prepare for God's arrival, make the road straight. It's talking about our heart. A highway fit for our God, fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts, clear out the rocks. Here I am. Response speaks of an uncluttered heart, a heart that's already had the obstacles and the, the rocks cleared out of the way, who's made room for God. And Ananias, Ananias is found waiting, he's ready, he's fully available for whatever God would ask him. And so God comes and asks him to go to Saul. And he goes, really, God? Do you know what he does to people like me? You know, but he went. I don't doubt that he went afraid or apprehensive, like wouldn't you? But he obeyed God. He had a faith response. Here I am, whatever you ask of me, I will go. And you know the amazing thing about this is that Paul, who was formerly Saul, writer of the Hebrews, says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and he rewards those who seek him. You know, our faith pleases God. Do you know that? Your faith pleases God. He loves it when we step out in faith. 
He loves it because he meets us there and he's like, come, let's go. Let's go on this wild adventure together. You know, I love that our faith pleases God. And Ananias actually puts into practice the very words of the man that he's about to minister to years and years later. How crazy is the way God works? It's so wonderful. You may know that in my 20s, um, I was a professional runner. Did you know that? No, I was. Not, not the healthy sort, the unhealthy sort. I was running from God. Anyone? Yeah, maybe don't raise your hand. I'll just talk about me for a bit, yeah? I was running from God. I was trying to find belonging and acceptance in all the wrong places, yeah? Even living overseas for a time, and I remember when I was heading off overseas and my my mum gave me this little devotional book. You know those ones where it has the day, the date, a verse and a, a bit of a devotion in it? And so I packed it in my suitcase and and while I was overseas, every now and again, I would, I would see that devotional book. I would get it out and I would almost dare God to speak to me because I, I never turned to the day or the date. I would just let it fall open and see if God would speak to me. And every time I opened it, he would speak to me. His words would pierce my heart, yeah? And I would quickly close it like that helps. and then I would frisbee it across the room. But God was pursuing me. God was pursuing me. He was chasing me. He was saying, stop running. Stop running from me. And it wasn't until I put up the white flag of surrender and I stopped and I said, I am done, God. I'm done choosing my own choices, deciding my own decisions, trying to navigate and write the narrative of my life, I'm done with this. I'm spent. Lord, you do. You do now. And that was the turning point of my life. That was the time where uh, I was here 18 months before Pastor Shane and Georgie came. That was that time. We might think that running from God is restricted to before we come to know him before we invite him into our hearts and before we have a relationship with him. But no, no, no. We can run in here too, in church. Do you know that? There's a lot of nervous laughter in here right now. You know, many of you would have also heard me say from a time in my 20s also about the fact that I used to think that if you went to church more than once on a Sunday, then you needed to get a life. Don't judge me. You know, I was actually attending a church service at the time that I used to think this. But I know, and I've heard some of your stories about what you used to do too. Come to church late, leave early, running, running, running from people, running from God. Yeah, more nervous laughter. But maybe you're running. Maybe you're, you're running still. Maybe you're running from belonging. Maybe you're running from making new friends. Maybe the thought of meeting someone new in the foyer just is too overwhelming. Maybe you're running from contributing or serving. Maybe you're, you're running from the call of God on your life. Maybe you know what God has called you to, but you're afraid. You're scared. 
yeah? Maybe you're running from that. What would happen if we stopped running and we put up the white flag of surrender and we said, here's me, here I am, God. Completely available, completely ready. I'm done with my own choices. What would happen to those around us? What would happen in our life? You know, we yearn, we yearn for the new ways. We, we say, Lord, come and do something new. But we're afraid because we're still running. But if we stopped running and we said, Lord, I want the new, whatever it costs, however expensive it is, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in for the new road. Just do, do what you want to do. Have your way in my life. Do what you need to do, God. I wonder what would happen. You know, it would be good. That's what would happen. It would be very, very good. In fact, it would fit right into God's plan and purpose for our lives, wouldn't it? Yeah. We would not believe how good our lives could be if we stopped running and we said, here I am. I have no idea where I'm up to. <laughs> but I'm having fun. You having fun? <laughs> How available are you to God? Even if what God asks us to do offends our thinking, even if it challenges us, even if it scares us, are you available? To God, will we respond in faith like Ananias? You know, here I am, that powerful faith declaration has all the potential of becoming the new start in life, the next chapter in our lives, maybe the next season. It heralds the new thing that God wants to do in our lives to create a new road, a new highway in our heart for God. Let's always be a people who respond in faith and say, Lord, here's me. Here's me. Here's all of me. Point number two, we need to be open to God to change our perspective. You know what's so fascinating about this story is that Saul and Ananias are sent by God to the same street for different reasons for the same outcome. Crazy. Because they both needed their perspectives changed. The street was called straight, which in Latin means rectitude, which, which really means uprightness, righteousness, correct behavior, or correct thinking. Both Saul and Ananias discovered more about God, who he is, what his kingdom looks like, and God was able to burn a new pathway in their hearts with a new perspective on what kingdom looks like. Ananias had a change in perspective. Verse 13, he's saying to God, this man, but by verse 17, he's calling him brother, brother Saul, what a jump. What a jump. Something happened on his way to Straight Street. And Saul, I mean, Saul goes from thinking that Christians are the enemy of God and they need to be got rid of to becoming a Christian and following God himself. Both had a complete change of perspective, a complete 360 and uh, in this street of uprightness, of correct behavior and correct thinking. I know there are some streets that we know well. Things like, streets like Comfortable Street, The Past Street, Worry Street, I Can't Street, and the well-known Struggle Street. 
yeah? And while I'm not making light of some of the hardships that we go through, we can't live in those streets because they will rob us of our destiny in God. Amen? So I wonder what thinking needs to change in us. I mean, is fear holding us back from stepping out into the new? Is it holding us back from meeting new friends, for, for creating new friendships and changing our, our people group? You know, meeting new people, not just coming to church, but actually being involved, being part of the body. That was me. I had those ideas that I didn't want to do that. Maybe a past experience in another season has shaped a really stuck kind of thinking for you. God wants to enlarge our thinking. He wants to stretch it out. He wants to say, you know what? My kingdom doesn't look like this. It looks like this. Yeah. yeah? Paul again in 2 Corinthians says, well, we do not look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that aren't seen. For the things which are seen are temporary and the things which are unseen are eternal. Let's be people who respond in faith and allow God to change our perspective, change our thinking, yeah? We get so stuck sometimes, but God's like going, no, highway, I want a highway in your, in your thinking. I want a highway in your heart. Let's respond to God in faith. And finally, point number three, we need to activate our gift by serving. Ananias goes where he's never been before in ministry by activating the gift of God on his life to serve another. That's why you have a gift. That's why God has put a gift. He's put gifts and talents in you and abilities. The reason why they're there is not for you. It's so that we would serve others, so that we would help others see. Amen? So that we would help others receive their sight. Acts chapter 9, verse 17 Ananias lays his hands on Saul and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me that you may receive your sight. That's the reason. So that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. You know, one of the ways that God creates ways in our wilderness, in the uninhabited places of our hearts, in those places, those desolate places in our giftings, our capacities, our abilities, is that he gets us engaged in an opportunity. He gets us involved in building his house because then he can create rivers in our desert places and he can create pathways in the wilderness places that haven't been explored by God yet. Yeah? It's so good. I love this. I love this thinking. And so God calls us to activate our gifts. You may think that you know yourself, but can I tell you that you were not there when God knit you together in your mother's womb. You were there, but not there. You know that? So why would we think that we know ourselves? Why would we think that we know what God put in us? We don't know the half of what God put in us. And we see the seeds of gifts in our heart and they're there. They're so small that we look at it and we go, that's natural. That's just what I do. Doesn't everyone do this? No, not everyone does what you do. Not everyone has what you have. You have been crafted and designed so specifically 
so, so uniquely by God. He has put within you personality, a unique personality. Maybe some, some of us would think we have multiple, but no. One personality, but we have spiritual gifts. We have gifts and abilities and talents. I don't have what you have. You don't have what I have, but together we complete the picture. We need one another. We need to activate this gift, these gifts. We need what you have in the body of Christ. We need you to be activated. There is such purpose upon your life. It's, such, it's bigger than just you. The purpose that God has for you is so much bigger than you. He wants to write your story. He wants to weave your story through the body of Christ. He wants to weave your experiences and everything. He wants to direct your steps. Make a highway. Make a highway in your heart for Him. Let Him have room to do what He wills and what He wants. Amen? Amen. I need to finish. Saul's name means ask of God or inquire of God. And he he so lives up to his name. He has such an inquiring um, intellect and, and he's, he's so learned. I mean, you can see it through his life. He writes most of the New Testament, you know, and he's got such a, a diligence about him. And he's even in these three days in Damascus, he's on his knees praying and he's asking God for help. He's living up to his name. And at the very same time, we see Ananias is being given a vision by God about Saul. Ananias' name means God has given. So we see that the, the one who is asking of God is being sent a God has given answer. So God uses Ananias to be the answer for Saul in that moment. And sometimes we are like Saul and we are asking of God, we're inquiring of God. Sometimes we're like Ananias and we have something that God has given that we can give out. And sometimes we're like both of them. We're like both of them at the same time. There are people in this city, there are people in this community that are souls and they're asking and they're inquiring of God. They're saying, how, where, what's the purpose? Why am I here? They're asking of God. They don't know it, but they're asking of God. And church, you and I have the God has given answer inside of us and we are to go. We are to say, here I am, God, use me. Use me, use me for your plans and purposes. And so in conclusion, God, through His incredible plan for our lives, has new pathways for us to journey on. Roads that are yet unwritten, roads and pathways and streets that are yet unknown to us, that He wants to write on our hearts, things that are only present in his mind right now, but he's, he's longing to write these on our lives. Our more in God starts with that powerful faith declaration of here I am, God, here's me. Here's all of me, I'm all in. Have your way in my heart. Are we ready for what God would ask of us? Are we willing for God to change our perspective and give us fresh eyes, give us new eyes to help us see and are we willing to activate those, those spiritual gifts that God has placed within our lives that we would serve others? Right now, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for us, yeah? 
that we would stop running if we're running, that we would abandon our own designs on our life, our own choices, that we would finally yield to God and say, God, have all of me. Are you ready this morning to pray that? It's bold. I know what I'm asking because I can feel it. I can feel that challenge that God, God, this is what God wants. But sometimes we wriggle under His finger. We don't want to submit. We don't want to do this. But you know what? You won't know the half of how God will write your story, how He wants to fulfill His plans and purposes for your life. So if you want to respond this morning, why don't you lift your hands and let's pray. Lord God, you see our hands lifted. You, you see, Lord, the courage. Lord, we don't even know what we're saying to you this morning. We're, we're all sorts of scared and apprehensive, and, but we know it's the right thing. We know that, Lord, you are a good Father, you are a good God, and you only want to do us good. And so, Lord God, I, we say, have your way in our hearts. Lord, we want to see your plans and your purposes outworked in our life. We want you to make and we want you to carve out new pathways and new roads and new rivers in our desert places. We want to see, Lord, places where we haven't been before and where we haven't let you in before. So, Lord God, we lay ourselves on the altar, Lord God, and we say, come, Lord Jesus, breathe upon us afresh and have your way in our lives. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. Give us the courage and the boldness to step this out. Give us the boldness and the courage to every day say, here I am, God. What, do you, what can we do today? What do you want us to do today? What do you want me to do today? So Lord God, I pray you bless each one. Thank you, God, for your church. I thank you, Lord, for each person, each family that's represented. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.